Welcome to the Free Birth Podcast, a supportive space for people who are learning, exploring, and celebrating their autonomous choices in childbirth. Together, we'll unpack truths, share personal stories, and claim our ability to birth freely and intuitively. Here's your host, Emily Saldea. very exciting announcement to make. The official Free Birth Society membership network is now live. We have abandoned mainstream social media and created our own private network, a truly safe space where women can be free to talk about pregnancy, birth, holistic mothering, and of course, radical birth work. And you don't have to be a hardcore free birther to join. This is for any woman who is curious about natural birth and natural mothering and who wants to explore any of the ideas that we touch on in this podcast in more depth. It's also a great resource for women who are planning a free birth, a place to share stories, ideas, information, and most importantly, community and support. Head to our website at freebirthsociety.com to apply. We are so proud of this new space and we can't wait to welcome you. Come join us in the fun. This week, we have Debbie from Utah sharing the story of her first two births in captivity and then the free birth of her third. After a mixed bag of experiences in the hospital with her first two, she realized early in her third pregnancy that she wanted to have an unassisted childbirth. Using the tools of hypnobirthing and by way of lots of research, Debbie got ready for her ecstatic birth. Debbie birthed just as she had envisioned. And lastly, she shares why she chose to go to the hospital after her birth and thankfully had a positive experience. I would say my birth story starts when I first got pregnant with my first son, Oliver. Um, So I am the youngest of nine children, and my family is very split in half. So half of them are very medical, Doctors, epidural, take away any pain. The other half are very natural, uh, home birth, water birth, you know, those types of things and no intervention. And, and so I had grown up not really hearing birth stories that often. And my uh, sister, she would talk about her birth, her home birth. And I remember thinking like, oh, I can't, I can't believe you would do that. Or, you know, I just had a very medical background because um, my brother's an anesthesiologist and I was really close to him and he would talk often about anesthesia. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so when I got pregnant with my first child though, I remember thinking like, I think I want to try to go natural. And so I had an OB. I didn't know. I We were a very healthy family growing up. We rarely went to the doctor. So I really didn't know how to interact with doctors that much. And so I found an OB and I went to her and I was always so like frustrated. Um, every appointment I'd be there for an hour and a half and I'd see the doctor for maybe five minutes and she never remembered me Mm. and it was so frustrating. And, and so then I would be like, okay, I'm going to make this birth plan. And I would 
tell her my ideas and she'd say, okay, well, but you're probably going to want an epidural. So let's just plan on that. And, and I, and I was so frustrated. And so then finally the day came, I, I took a class. I didn't. Okay. So <laughs> growing up, I had a really high pain tolerance. And I think a lot of women make this mistake that they think, Oh, I don't really need to do too much research. I have such a high pain tolerance. I doubt the pains of birth are going to be what everyone says they are, you know. So I'd taken a class, and, you know, the class had taught me some things. I really don't remember what was in the class, but eventually the day came that I started having contractions, and I went to the doc- I had a doctor's appointment that morning, and, and I went in, and she goes, oh, just so you know, you better have the baby today because I'm going on vacation. And I was like, classic. Okay. Okay. (laughs) So, um, so I labored all day and my biggest fear was going to the hospital too early. And so then, uh, around seven at night, I was like, I think we need to go to the hospital. I went to the hospital and I was only a three and they said, Oh, well maybe we'll keep you. And so they kept me around for a little bit and I progressed a little bit to a four. And so they let me stay. So then my doctor had gone on vacation, so it was just a whoever was on call. And he comes in and says, you're going too slowly. We need to give you Pitocin. And I was like, I don't want Pitocin. They're like, you really need it. And so then I got Pitocin, mm-hmm. and nothing happened. And then, you know, an hour later, he said, we need to break your water. And I said, I don't want to break my water. And they were like, you, ha- you really need to because it's going too slow. So then... I had my water broken and then it was still painful. Nothing was happening. And, um, finally they're like, my husband, he didn't know what to do. He, he hadn't really prepared for this. (laughs) (laughs) And so he didn't know how to help me. And he's, he's like, maybe you should just get an epidural. And I didn't want one, but they kept saying like, if you get an epidural, you can sleep. So I got an epidural and we slept and it was good to sleep. It was nice. Mm -hmm. But then um, around, uh, I think it was 8 o'clock the next morning, they're like, oh, you're 10. You can start pushing. And so I pushed for 45 minutes. The doctor came in. The baby wasn't coming out. He stuck his hand in me and pulled out the baby with his hand. So I ripped. I had a third-degree tear. (gasps) Oh, my God. And, um, And, you know, baby was healthy. Everything was fine. But I hadn't researched. And, you know, you get everybody saying, Oh, well, as long as the baby's fine, as long as the baby's fine. And, but, you know, I, that was my traumatic experience. Well, but, and, you know, and let's all just think that happened. Yes. And, and I just want to say you do not, you should not have to be well researched to avoid being abused. That is not, you know, that you is shouldn't. not, no, you shouldn't, <laughs> but, that it is doesn't not, happen. Right, but that is, that is the hospital. And even the most researched, even the most, um, educated on the deal. Honestly, if you're that educated, you're probably not birthing at the hospital because you know what you're going to get. But, but even the oh, people yeah. who think that they're super educated on, on how to work the system are still abused. So I am so, so sorry that happened to you. That was so completely well, unnecessary. It was a good learning experience because after our words, I looked at it. Okay. Well, so jump on to my second, second baby. I got pregnant. I was living in Florida at this time. So Utah for the first one, Florida for the second one. And I go to the first OB appointment and she says, she gives me the exam and she says, oh, did you have a, 
just a regular vaginal birth? And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, well, your cervix is super scarred. I totally would have given you a C-section. And I was like, what? Who is this lady? And so I knew right then I did not want to have my baby with her. Um, so throughout that pregnancy, I started reading books and, um, the, the main book that I loved the most was the Ina Mae Gaskins natural childbirth. And that's when I started reading about, you know, what to do. I, I would take notes on how to have a baby without an epidural. So that's a naturally and, and just what to do in general. Mm-hmm. Well, at 30 weeks, we moved back to Utah. And so I had to find a new medical provider. So I went to a midwife. I was like, I'm going to get a midwife. A uh, home birth midwife or a hospital midwife? Um, so my insurance only covered hospital. Right. Okay. And um, backstory. So my husband, his mom, she had nine children. And he is the fifth child. And she lo- she's one of those people who loves to say, I'm so glad I was in the hospital because this would have happened if I hadn't been at the hospital. And her, when she had him, that was her traumatic birth. And so anytime you bring up childbirth, she brings up this story yeah. every single time. And I want to say, stop telling me this. I, I just kind of change the subject, but it's the point where I'm like, stop telling me this story. Stop, stop telling everybody this story because yeah. it's not doing anyone any good. Um, <sighs> so, so we planned on a hospital birth. Um, I was fine with that. And yeah, so one of the reasons we moved to Utah was for a job. But while we were in Florida, I had started researching midwives. Um, and But the closest one wasn't for like an hour away. And so part of moving to Utah was it, everything would be more localized. So we got here and I had, I think, one appointment with my midwife before I had the baby. And she was really nice and I liked her. Okay, so my water broke at at one, and I told my husband, and I told him to go back to sleep because I knew that this time I was going to be a little bit more hands-off. I had decided to get a doula because my husband didn't know what to do the previous time, and I wanted somebody there advocating for me, saying she doesn't want an epidural. Don't bug her with that. So my water broke, and an hour and a half later, I started having contractions, I had contractions for about an hour before I said, we need to go to the hospital. We went to the hospital. Um, the doula met me there. And within an hour, I had had the baby. So it was really fast. The first one was 24 hours. But I, looking back, I, I know that it was so long because of all the interventions. Um, the second one was only three and a half hours. Um, so then... Everything was great. I really liked that birth, and I was so happy with it. It was everything that the previous one wasn't. So then when I got pregnant this time, I I had decided, you know, there's probably more natural things that I'm missing out on that yeah. I would like to incorporate into my, my birth. So I first joined um, the Facebook group, Natural Birth Support Group, um, and I would read the comments, you know, that, that group has a ton of people in it. So it would be like popping up on my newsfeed. The entire newsfeed was that group. Mm -hmm, (laughs) So I read, I'd read all of them and, and 
I'd randomly hear about these people having unassisted birth. And I was like, what are they talking about? Like, I'd never heard of it. And so finally I asked, like, what do people mean when they say unassisted birth? And they're like, that's just unassisted. Like, nobody is there that's medical personnel. And so some of them are saying, you know, it's an accident. I accidentally had my baby unassisted. And and then I called the ambulance and, I, you know, it was kind of traumatic. And others were saying... I planned it. I didn't Mm -hmm. plan on going to the hospital ever. And um, so I I thought, that is so crazy. I cannot believe people would do that. (laughs) And then I was like really intrigued with it. And I, so I started like searching for other groups and I heard about the home birth assisted and unassisted uncensored Facebook group, which led to the um, unassisted pregnancy and childbirth, no assistance talk Mm -hmm. group. (laughs) <laughs> the big one led to the fa- the free birth society. <laughs> so it eventually all led to this group. Uh-huh. And um and so I'd read the different things and um so so that's where my mind was thinking like this is crazy but I really like the idea of this mm. and so I have a sister my oldest sister on her third child she had a 20 minute labor. So she had uh, her water broke And then she was going to the hospital and 20 minutes later, she had the baby in the car. And I thought, maybe my birth, it's the third one. She's my sister. Maybe I'm going to have a really fast birth. And at 11 weeks, I think it was around 11 weeks, whenever I think about my birth and how I wanted it to be, this was even before I found out about the groups, um, I imagined my birth that I was in my bathroom and I'd squat down and have the baby. That's like Mm. what I always imagined. Cool. And so then after hearing about these groups and people who, who didn't go to the hospital on purpose, (laughs) I was like, I think that's what I want. And so then I, you know, I kept it all to myself. I didn't tell people because in this, the area that I live, everybody goes and gets epidural. That's what everybody does. Did you tell your husband? Uh, at this point, I did not tell my husband. You're just kind of ruminating on it. Yes, I was just thinking about it, and I started to kind of plan. And but then, um, but at the same time, I wasn't, I wasn't positive that I was going to do that. So I made this, this cute birth plan. It was really cute. It's still sitting on my printer. I never took it off my printer. Mm, that's cute. <laughs> um, but um, so my sister, another sister, because I have seven sisters. Um, I have a sister who's not married and she lives in Australia and she had decided that she was coming to America for a year and she was going to live with me and two of my other sisters for four months at a time. And so she planned to come to me first because I was going to have a baby and she wanted to come help out. So when she got here, I said, okay, Kim, this is what I'm thinking. I want to have the baby at home and I want you to be my doula basically and she was like, let's do it. Mm, <laughs> so nice. um, I started telling her how birth was here in general. And she was like really appalled. Um, I guess in Australia, almost everyone that she knew of has home births and very hands off. So cool. she lived in a, a city called Wagga Wagga. And um, she doesn't have any kids, but she would be at work. And she said, all we ever talked about was childbirth. Hmm. That's all we ever talked about. <laughs> And all about their home births and how they went. And 
and no one ever mentioned how they really wanted an epidural or anything. They just were happy with how birth was. And, and so she was so on the same page with me from day one. And that made me so happy because I didn't want to be fighting anyone. And, um, so then by this point, my sister's here at, I think she got here when I was 30, 35 ish weeks. Um, and she doesn't yet know your intentions, the sister. No. So I have, well, once she got here at 35 weeks, I told her like the second day she was here, I was like, I want to have the baby at home. So then, um, you know, we start planning and we start imagining what it's going to be like. And I tell her all the books I've read and I tell every time I come upon something new, I, I tell her about it and I give her books to read herself. And, and I, I tell her I've researched, you know, what to do in certain situations and and at some point she says, have you told Eric? And I'm like, <laughs> well, sort of. <laughs> and so, um, so sometimes I'd bring it up to Eric and I'd say, Eric, I think I'm, so I started out like, I think I'm going to have the baby at home. And he'd be like, yeah, but we'll go to the hospital. And so then like a couple of days later, I'd be like, I'm pretty sure I'm going to have the baby at home. And he'd be like, yeah, but we'll go to the hospital. <laughs> and, you know, when it's getting closer, I'm like, Eric, I'm not making it to the hospital. That's what it had turned into. And he's like, yeah, you are. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm not making it to the hospital. And it got <laughs> so that real. Was, that was the communication that I had with my husband, just because I, I didn't know what his reaction was. And my husband is really relaxed and he's great. And he totally supports me in what I, decisions I make. But I knew, well, I hoped that I would have the baby during the night. I've had both my babies during the night. And so I just hoped that would happen again. Um, because I wanted him to be able to sleep and not stress because with the previous birth, he would get pretty stressed because he just didn't know how to help me. And, and I knew that I wanted to do it on my own this time. And so, um, I'll get back to him in a little bit after I have the baby. So, um, so finally, I'm getting close to having my baby. And there were several things I had hoped for in this birth. And one of them was I wanted to go overdue because it's like (laughs) everybody always complains so much about going overdue. And I was like, it can't be that bad. I want to know because I had had my other two early. And so 40 weeks. Quick question too. So now you're 40 weeks, you're like in your mind, you know that you're going to stay home and birth with just your sister and, and, you know, whoever else in your family. Are you just feeling like totally fearless and confident or, or like what, how did you reconcile with the, you know, the, the fear side of it, of, of doing this for the first time at home? That's a great question. And I did forget to mention that. So, um, I had decided to try hypnobirthing this time. Um, I had heard all these people say they had painless births and, and fearless births. And, and I said, Oh, I want to try that. So I read the book, hypnobirthing, the Mongan method. And there's a story in that book that really hit me. It was, I don't know if you've read it, but, um, basically her mom would tell this horror story, which was her own birth. And then she had a cat and one day the cat was having kittens and the cat went into the chicken coop where it was dark and it was just purring loudly. And she just sat there and watched quietly watched this cat, like easily give birth to these two baby kittens. And then the dot 
the dog started barking <laughs> and the cat stopped its labor, took the kitten somewhere else and had two more kittens. Mm. Uh, and so then she kind of like bases the book on like, mm-hmm. there's this natural way that we can learn from animals that is so much easier and painless, like so much less painful for yeah. everybody. <laughs> and, um, so when I heard that story, like it just kept hitting me, like, that's what I want. I want to have this like relaxed body that, that does what it's supposed to do because our bodies are meant to have babies. Like it's not a medical procedure. And so, um, so I think that answered your question, right? Does yeah, it sounds like you were, yeah, just like uh, trusting in the normal physiological sequence of yeah. birth and that you, okay. and, and also, I mean, something kind of interesting that I always think of is the fact that you are able to have a vaginal birth in an environment that doesn't support normal birth in any way, even though, you know, yeah, you had assistance or whatever, like that always to me makes sense that then that would give you perhaps even more confidence to birth at home because you were able to birth in spite of all the hindrance, whereas at home, there's nothing hindering you. Yeah, exactly. Well, and so that was, I think a lot of my fear that I had went away with the second birth because after I had the second birth, I felt so like happy that I had had the birth that I wanted. Um, even though there had been other people there, it was all natural. You know, I'd been on my hands and knees. He was a 10 pound one ounce baby. So he was big and everything was good. I tore less. I still tore cause he was huge, but, um, but it was all, all great. But then I still had certain fears and with the hypnobirthing, I would do the fear releasing sessions and I would do, you know, I would just think relaxed things. And I just thought all the positive things that could happen. And I did research, I you know, if, if something bad went, was going to happen, what to do in that situation. And, and I was still going to my, my midwife. Um, and I would ask, she was a really relaxed person. And I would ask her like, so what do I do if I have the baby at home? And she, you know, she would tell me what I should do. And, and some of the stuff I'd just take with a grain of salt and other, other things I'd be like, Oh, that's a good idea. And, um, so at this point, you know, I had planned on having the baby at home, but I knew that my husband would want us to go to the hospital. And I also knew that even if I went to the hospital, as long as I wasn't having the baby there, I really felt like I could advocate my rights. Whereas a lot of times when you're, you're having the baby, your mind is elsewhere and you can't always say exactly what you want to say. Yeah. And so I felt like that was a good compromise for me and my husband that I could have the baby at home, have it exactly how I wanted. And then we can go to the hospital and I can say, no, no, no. Or yes, yes, yes. So at some point towards the actual birth, you guys got real about it and you were like, no, this is really happening. And he was like, okay, fine. But then I want you and the baby to be checked out at the hospital. So I'd like to say that happened, but no, (laughs) the the furthest we got in our conversation was I'm not making it to the hospital. And, um, and we were fine with that. But then I'm sorry, I guess the part I'm missing then is where was this compromise of the, yeah. So the compromise was that my husband was always saying we're going to the hospital and he, he always expressed his fear. Like he didn't know what to do with the baby. And I, and I was fine with going to a hospital because 
that is what he most wanted. And I love my husband and I wanted him to feel comfortable about the birth also. But wait, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm confused. But what do you mean you were fine with going while you were also planning a free birth? You, you mean afterwards, right? Yes, afterwards. Okay. Afterwards. So in your mind. So I wanted to have my birth. Yeah, gotcha. Everything fine. And then be like, okay, we'll go to the hospital. Gotcha. So, so. you were like deciding what the compromise was going to be without necessarily, like you kind of already knew. Yes. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Basically. Okay. <laughs> really good communication, right? <laughs> I um. mean, you know, whatever. It sounds like you were <laughs> still doing what you were. It still sounds like you were, you know, like in charge if you were willing to make, you know, yeah. compromises can only happen if you're willing to make them. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, so as we got closer, so I'm at 40 weeks and you know, everybody's asking me, Oh, you haven't had the baby yet. You haven't had the baby yet. And I'm like, no, I haven't, but I'm fine. Like everything's fine. And I realized for people who go over 40 weeks, it isn't so, okay. My sister, she is really good at giving massages. So she would give me massages every day, anywhere that I felt sore. It was amazing. And if everybody could have that, it would be amazing. But, (laughs) but when I hit 40 weeks, I felt great. You know, I was out like mowing the lawn until the day I, before I had the baby and, and we were going out in walks every day and I just felt great. And I really think the only hard part for me was everybody saying, what, you haven't had the baby yet. And so, but otherwise mentally, I feel like I was all there and, and I felt great. So, so the last couple of days before I had the baby, I had her, um, according to medical due dates, um, it would have been 40 weeks and six days. Um, so I'd been having Braxton Hicks pretty consistently, but they, they weren't painful whatsoever. But on the Thursday I started having them pretty strong and they were pretty strong all day. Um, and so then that night my husband was like, let's go on one more date. And so we went on a date and we came home and and tried some things to to get um get contractions going mm-hmm. stronger. And then we watched a movie and then we went to bed at around eleven forty five or ten forty five and and we went to sleep, everything was good and and during the night my son he was in a phase where he wakes up all the time. Mm. And so at around 12.55, he came in and tried to get in the bed with me. And, and I woke up, and I was having contractions. And um, so I was like, no, Teddy, you can't be in the bed with me. So I took him back. I took him to the bathroom, took him back, and I thought, these contractions are pretty strong. I better get my camera because I really wanted to record hmm. my birth. So I get my little baby monitor, and I set it up in the bathroom because my sister and I had kind of done little run-throughs, like, this is what's maybe going to happen. Hopefully, that's what I hope. And um, so I set up the, the camera, and I went and got back in bed, and I turned on my hypnobirthing. Wait, question. Uh, so yeah, your man obviously knows you're in labor. So he, he doesn't know. Oh, okay. I thought, okay, I thought you said you were, yeah. he was trying to help you get stuff started. Okay, so he's still... Oh, that was... Okay, yes. I guess... He knew that, but he didn't know I was having real contractions. Okay. He was asleep. So and... <laughs> were, were you planning kind of like an oopsie kind of deal? Mm, not with him. Like, I had I had been pretty firm and I'm not making it to the hospital. Like, it was like an indirect way of saying I'm not planning on going. And I we kind of like 
knew each other's vibe, but I hadn't actually said I'm planning a free birth. Right. Yeah. Sorry. I'm like, I'm so, so fascinated by this dynamic because I, I can't, I can't relate to it. <laughs> and so I'm, that's why I'm asking a ton of questions. I'm trying to like picture it in my head. Okay. So you are now obviously in labor, but you have not yet told so, your partner, but your sister's there. Yes. So my sister's asleep downstairs. I'm, I try to go back to sleep, but I turn on my hypnobirthing and, um, I'm laying in bed and they're getting stronger and I, I must've fallen back asleep. Because around 1.30, I hear my son again calling out, Mama, Mama. And I'm like, I am not getting up and down to deal with him. So <laughs> I reach over, and I shake my husband, and I say, will you go get Teddy? And so he gets up, and he goes, I didn't tell him I was having real contractions. Um, and he goes, and he doesn't come back. And I'm like, oh, awesome. I now have the room to myself to make noise, to do whatever I want. And apparently he had taken Teddy to go try to get him to sleep on the couch. And so he was on the couch asleep with Teddy. My sister's downstairs and I'm having contractions on the bed and, and I'm breathing through them. They're not too bad. And, um, but probably around two 30, um, I start feeling like I have to pee every single contraction. So then I would, I would have a contraction. I'd go sit on the toilet then I'd go back and then I'd go back to the toilet. And I was like, this is not working. So I just started staying on the toilet, mm-hmm. which was great because then I could fully relax and and everything was going good. And I probably was on there for about an hour. So at 3.30, I think my sister and I, like we did so many preparations. It'd be really sad if I had the baby without her. Although mm-hmm. I wanted to be by myself at the same time, I was like really enjoying like being by myself and relaxing in the dark bathroom. But I thought well, we've done all these things and maybe they'll help. And, and so I have a contraction. They're probably around 30 seconds apart lasting for like 30 seconds. And so I have a contraction and I go downstairs and she hops up and is like, is it time? And I'm like, yeah, it's time. Then I have another contraction and I like get down on the floor and she tries to push my hips. And, um, after the contraction, we go back upstairs and right before I'd gone down to get her, I thought, Oh, I better, take out the mats out of the bathroom and I put down the yoga mat and um so we get back upstairs and she puts down a shower curtain that we had bought to make things clean up easy and she says I'm gonna go put the towels in the dryer and I'm like oh you don't need to do that yet it's not that close <laughs> and she's like famous oh, last words do it anyways <laughs> yeah so she goes down and and I'm I have probably two while she's gone and then she comes back up and she kind of tries to help like push my hips and, and, and I have one where I'm, I'm on the ground in a fetal position and, and looking back, this must've been tra- transition because uh. it's when I had the crazy thought that I was like, Oh, maybe I do understand why people want medication. But in my mind, I'm thinking, of course I don't want medication, but, but I understand why. And you know, the contraction ends and I think, oh, that wasn't that bad. <laughs> totally. So, <laughs> so then um, my sister, she starts saying like, oh, let me get the scarf for the triribozo sifting. And But I'm like totally in my zone at this point and I, I can't really respond. And so she leaves to go get that. And I had just had her get my birthing ball and I turn around to go like lean on the birthing ball and all of a sudden I feel her head. And I'm like, oh, her head's coming. 
And I say, go get Eric. Go get Eric. Oh, my God. And so um, Eric, literally 10 seconds before, had just gotten up to put Teddy in his bed. And he hears, go get Eric. Oh, my God. Go get Eric. And um, so my sister comes back in. And I'm like, her head is coming out. And Eric comes to the doorway. And from when I felt her head um, crowning, like for the first time when I felt her head to when she was out was 30 seconds. <laughs> um, so, so right before she came out, I had said, well, I guess about five, three minutes before I felt her head, I thought I better turn on my camera. So I turned on my camera. Oh my gosh. And then when I felt her head, I turned around cause I wanted the best view <laughs> in my camera. And, um, and I was kneeling down and she started to come out and one of my things I wanted the most was to catch my own baby. So, mm. so I had told everyone, my sister, like, I'm going to catch her. And, and so, so she just like shot out and you saw the gif that mm. I put mm. on, but she just shot out. <laughs> and yeah. So for anyone who hasn't seen it, she made a little uh, gif or gif. I don't know how to pronounce it, but she made a cool little, what, like one second or two second video of, the, of her <laughs> baby. Video, yeah, yeah. Shooting out and, and she's on her knees in the bathroom and, and then she just grabs the little slippery baby and pulls her up and it's so cool. Yeah. And so like she came out and I felt amazing. Like I didn't, so with my second birth, the thing that I remembered the most was that right after I had him, I got shivers like crazy. And, and I was like, I can't stop shivering. And they're like, Oh, your body's just in shock. And, and so I was like, I better prepare for this again this time. And so we had gotten the heater and the warm towels, but my body was normal right after I had the baby. Like I had no side effects of having this baby. And I remember thinking like, why is that? And I honestly think it's because everything was so calm and I was Mm -hmm. so relaxed and everything was exactly how I wanted it. So when he tells the birth story, it goes like this. I was asleep. I woke up and there was a baby. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) So he is all smiles because (laughs) this was his dream labor that I didn't tell him I was having the baby and he just shows up for the actual birth. Wow. So that is his version. So he so comes he in was, the room. He was chill. He wasn't like, oh my god. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, my husband's really chill, and that's one reason probably why I felt okay with our communication mm-hmm. level. <laughs> right, um, because that's the thing. That's so, what made me. I, I'm so glad to hear that because, unfortunately, I have heard a lot of stories of women doing kind of a similar plan, i.e., like not really telling the the husband, and then, um, I mean, I, I've heard three stories this week of women's husbands. Um, not really being clued into what was happening and them calling 911 against the uh, woman's, you know, wishes and wishes. the woman being whisked away in an ambulance um, either in labor or immediately after wh- when that was not something that they wanted. Um, yeah. So I am so glad that, that this worked out for you guys so, and that you have a chill husband. Yeah. And my husband, he saw me doing all this research and I'm sure that he clued in. I haven't asked him like, did you know I was going to do that? Or, um, but he saw me doing tons of research and to his credit, like whenever we retell the birth story to anyone at the end, when they kind of have like shocked eyes, he's like, you know, to Debbie's credit, she did tons of research and she knew exactly what she was doing. And I trust her. So good. 
So, so after I had the baby, he just walked in and, and we just hugged and looked at the baby and my sister <laughs> put towels went around on, Went and, on with your day. <laughs> yeah. And we just sat down and, and just hung out with the baby for, um, and I kept thinking the placenta would come out, um, really fast cause it had with the others. And I don't know if there had been tugging or pulling with the others, but, yeah. but it took an hour this time. And so we just sat there until the placenta was going to come out. And, and then I said, I set her down and the placenta came out and then I, I took a shower really fast and got dressed and, and then we still just snuggled some more. I put the placenta in some bags and, um, because I knew that we were going to the hospital, I hadn't planned on a way to cut the cord or anything like that. I had just planned on taking it to the hospital and letting them do it. And I think what I'm hearing in your words, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that it, because I think it was kind of initially framed that like you did it for your husband, but it sounds like a part of you really felt, um, not, not just okay with it, but like, like you just said, like you wanted to get checked out and you had a history of pretty serious tearing and, um, and that's so okay. Like there, it doesn't, in some ways, I almost think it's better that, you know, you, you really, you wanted to do it for yourself as well. Am I correct yeah, in I, that? Yeah. And I think, um, I, do like the comfort of somebody checking to make sure that I'm okay sure. too. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's why I was okay with going and, you know, I could tell the baby was fine, but you know, sometimes somebody else, another pair of eyes can, can spot things totally. that I can't spot. I think like if I had another one, another child, I would try to get a home birth midwife that would then come to me and check me out totally. afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't have to go to the hospital because I do like the idea of being checked out afterwards, but I do want to have my birth exactly how I want it. So, um, so it's kind of a, I, I guess like, you know, some people, like when I posted that GIF, there was um, like a comment that was, I can't believe you still went to the hospital. Yeah, I saw but, that. But like, <laughs> but like, the way our dynamic works as a couple, like that was just what worked for us. And, and that's how we had planned it in a way. And to your credit, you know, I mean, I do think that like feminist birth people get, including myself, get very triggered and, and like protective when, when we hear things like I did it for my husband. And that's different to me than being like, I wanted a second pair of eyes like that. You get, that's a fully autonomous decision. I mean, you heard my birth story. I went to the hospital in labor, um, yeah. not because anybody else wanted me to go, but because I wanted a second pair of eyes, exactly like you said. So tell me a little bit about that. Okay. So experience. then that's so where the funny, the funny parts go. So, so then we stayed at home, uh, for about two hours and then we woke up our kids and they came out and saw the baby and and they were so excited. And then, and then we got in the, the car and, um, I just held the baby and we went to the hospital and, uh, my husband's like, Oh, I'll drop you off. And I was like, no, I'd rather walk in with you. So we walk in to the ER entrance and I'm holding the baby and the guy comes out and he's like, what do you need? And, <laughs> and I say, I think I'm, I'm supposed to go to labor and delivery. I'm not totally sure. And he's like, oh, are you getting induced? And I'm like, no, I have the baby right here. Right. Oh, my God. <laughs> and he's like, oh, and he kind of like starts to freak out. And so I'm like, the midwife said go to labor and delivery, I think. And so then 
it's like, okay, go up to labor and delivery. And we, we get up to the hallway and the nurses are like running towards us and they're like, what's going on? This has never happened before. Whoa, really? <laughs> like, um, which my midwife had said she does three or four of these a year, but of course it's uh, happened. Apparently these nurses have never done right, this. And so, right. so they're asking me like, are you a home birth transfer? And I'm like, no, everything's great. Like I feel really great, you know? And, and so, so they take us to this room and, and we're just relaxing in this room and they're running around for like an hour trying to figure out what they're supposed to do. And, oh my God. and, um, and so we're just relaxing and, um, eventually they come back and, and kind of, well, I'm sure other people have done this, but I just told them it wasn't on purpose, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, kind of lied about it. Cause I didn't want them yeah. to get me in trouble or something. So I was like, Oh yeah, she just came really fast. And, and so we were just at home and they're like, and then you just had the placenta and I'm like, yeah, I decided I didn't want to dr- ride in the car with the cord coming out. Mm-hmm. And, and so, and so they just took it, I guess they might've questioned it, but, um, and were you forthcoming with saying like, we're here cause I want to get yeah, my vagina get checked, checked out. out. Yeah. And I was like, we're just here to get checked out. Like we think everything's great. And, and so then, um, we, um, we, after the nurse came back, we weighed the baby and cut the cord and, um, she was nine pounds, six ounces. And, um, I said, I wanted to save the placenta. So I, they bagged that up for me. And, and then, um, they, they said, well, we want to admit the baby. And I was like, well, that's fine. That was fine with me. And I, I wanted, well, they said, do you want to be admitted too? And I was like, well, so I don't know if you know, but at hospitals, they give these really great cups to mothers who just had, um, babies. And Wait, I, did you just say, really you said cup, cups, like a big 64 ounce mug. Oh thing. yeah. 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 The huge plastic. Yeah. Like they're like Gatorade I ones. I wanted one so bad. I was like, well, if I get admitted or if I don't get admitted, can I still have the cup? And they're like, uh, we will get you the cup. <laughs> Wow. That is the weirdest thing I've ever heard. I know. It sounds weird, but like, I just wanted that cup so bad because I love that cup and my old cup had died. And so, so. It's like a big um, gulp for anyone who doesn't know. (laughs) That's true. I could go get one at a 7-Eleven or something. No, you wanted the labor and delivery cup. Yeah. So we ended up, they they admitted us so that we could get food also (laughs) because I wanted room service. And so. Because she was born out of the hospital, they call the babies contaminated. So they put us in the far corner. They hardly bugged us at all because we were just like these random people who had showed up. And it was turned out to be like this really great experience because they were pretty chill about it. And my husband and I were just the three of us. We had this alone time with the baby. They only came in a few times. And... Um, I did end up having a first degree tear, but they, she was like, we can stitch it or not stitch it. And so I didn't get it stitched. Nice. That's awesome. We just hung out and it was so relaxing. And, um, it wasn't until the very end when the pediatrician came in and tried to tell me what to do with my baby. And, and I was like, no, we're not doing that. Like I'm going to do it the way I want to do it. And they never took the baby away, never tried to take the baby away. And I kept her close and, 
and it was a really great experience. We came home and, and everything has been so great since then. And like my recovery has been the best of all of them. And I really think like, because the birth was exactly how I wanted it, like my body has just like bounced back and, and it, it was great. And so like, whenever I think about the birth, like I, the only word that comes to my mind is like magical. Like it was so magical. Everything happened exactly how I wanted it to go. And nobody tried to tell me what to do. And it was perfect. So that's beautiful. Um, that's wild. (laughs) Yeah. And I guess also to add to that. So, um, we came back on a Saturday and my husband and my sister and the boys went to church on Sunday and there were about a million stories going around of how I had the baby on the bed. And one of them, I had it on the grass and another one I had it over a bucket and everybody was like, she's this crazy, like this wonder woman. How does she have a baby all by herself? And, and I'm just sitting there. And so for the first like couple probably like three weeks. I didn't want to tell anyone what really happened. I'd just tell them like, Oh, she just came really fast. And, but then as I like, you know, grew to really love my story more Mm. then then I've started telling people and I'll tell people that, that I know well the story, but in general, I know the people who I know won't accept my story for how great I feel it is uh-huh. <laughs> and they get the condensed version. But. And, and it is better, you know, I think after the fact, cause you have proof, you know, instead of people being like, but what if it's like, well, look, yeah. you know, it, it worked. Well, didn't it? And that's what I actually learned. Like we had, um, some people come over and they were so sweet and they mowed our lawn for us. And a couple men from our neighborhood came and I learned that men tell bad birth stories just as much as women do. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) well, because we love the drama, right? It's all like, it's the worst, most dramatic stuff. And so I'm sitting here trying to protect my husband from these bad birth stories because I go outside and um, I go to tell him something and his phone rings and he walks away for a second and all of a sudden these guys are trying to tell Eric about their horror stories. And I'm like, Eric, stay away, stay away. Don't come back over here. And I walk away too. And I'm like, I don't want to hear these stories. Like we need to not tell these horrible stories, tell the good stories. So, well, yeah, but the thing is the good stories are like, well, your story, right? It's like simple. There's no drama to it other than the fact that a person coming out of a person is pretty crazy. But you know, I mean, that's the beauty of, of the majority of the free birth stories on this podcast is Went into labor, did some stuff, walked around, you know, did some things, had a baby, caught yeah. it, laid in bed. Like it's, it's gorgeous yeah. in its normalization and, and it's, and you know, often anticlimactic, um, you know, experience because obviously what we're trying to do is normalize birth and for you to have just like gone through the night and spent some time alone in the bathroom and, you know, you know, had your family there and popped a baby out and went and cuddled and had your kids meet the baby girl. Like that's, that's about as good as it gets, but there's not much drama to that. Yeah, it's true. But I prefer my story for sure. Hell yeah, of course. <laughs> well, and I think I think it's fun to listen to these podcasts and see like really they are kind of exciting because it's like you took it into control yourself, you know? Yes, you didn't exactly. let somebody else try to make you do what you didn't want to do. Mhm. Oh, yes, so. of course. Yeah. I mean, it well, right? That's what people are focusing on is that you free birth and you know, and that is that is the inherent kind of drama or excitement around it. Um 
yeah, I mean, for, for us who are into it, it's like you just said, it's taking it into our own hands and creating an experience, like really actually saying we can be in charge of this experience, uh, instead of how culture paints it, which is, we are a victim to this experience, you know, yeah. and, and it feels as you experienced, it feels a heck of a lot different to say, I'm in charge of this and look what I can do. And, and look at, I mean, you know, you created the exact vision, uh, or you actualized the exact vision that you held in your heart. It's, is beautiful, you know, and I like your story for a lot of reasons. And I, I like that. Um, I know that some women listening to this are like, I can't believe she went to the hospital when everything was fine, you know, and that was my initial reaction. But I think that it's important to talk about because a lot of women do make that choice that you made as well. Yeah. And well, there, I does- even had somebody, somebody Facebook messaged me a person I didn't know and was like, I want to do exactly what you did. Like, Mm -hmm. I know my husband would be more comfortable if we went to the hospital, but I want to have a free birth. And she asked me all these questions and I told her like exactly what we did. And I think there's a lot of people who are transitioning. Exactly. They're transitioning to the free birth and, you know, not everybody can make the leap like right at first. And Uh, and I think the only thing I want to make sure to say to people that are listening just real talk is you got really lucky with how you were treated. And unfortunately that is not the norm of the stories that I hear of women going after the birth. Um, and I love, and I'm so grateful that you had such a positive experience. And of course I wish that for everybody who wants to go. Um, but if you were a woman of color, if you, um, you know, if you maybe weren't at that exact hospital, if it was a different nurse, I mean, it goes so, so different, so, so quickly for different people or, um, yeah. different hospitals and different staff. And, um, you it's know, true. you didn't have to, it sounds like interact. Did you even get CPS called on you? No. Yeah. So that's, that's almost unheard of. I mean, you know, you know me, I'm collecting these stories and in the, you know, year and a half that I've dedicated really collecting, you know, hundreds and hundreds of stories, yours actually might be the first one I've heard, uh, where CPS wasn't involved. And so yeah, there was no mention of it, which is amazing. Like your story is the example of what it should be if you want to use the hospital for exactly what you used it for. And I don't want our listeners to, um, to think that that is necessarily what they're going to get because it's, it's very likely not. And so it's, you know, we got to like hold it on both. We have to hold both truths at once that you really had such a privilege and a blessing to get to use it, um, use the system to your advantage. And you know what? So did I, you know, I mean, I mean, I'm the exact, (laughs) I'm in the exact same boat, right. On, on the birth end, you went postpartum, I went in birth, but, um, for, for a, you know, perfect storm of privilege and timing and staff and everything. I got to use the system for what I needed it for. Nothing more, nothing less. And on my terms. And it sounds like you did too. Um, and I just, I feel like I have a responsibility with, you know, the thousands of women listening to this, that that is not necessarily going to be your story if you go. And so, um, you know, you have to hold it with, with real hands and you have to be willing to enter into a system that, um, can sweep, can sweep you off your feet and can not respect your no and not give informed consent. They might take your baby. These are real stories I hear. Um, yeah. so not to and like, yeah, <laughs> I totally think, um, well, cause I kind of decided the free birth thing pretty late in the pregnancy, like around 35 ish weeks. And, um, you know, 
if I could recommend anything to someone, it would be, you know, if you plan on getting checked out, try to find a provider or a home birth midwife or, or some, or even a birthing center, you know, that will respect your wishes as much as possible. You know, someone mm-hmm. that you feel comfortable with. Cause the, the hard thing with hospitals is you don't know any of the people, you know, you don't, you haven't built any kind of relationship with them. And so you don't know who's going to be there and how they're going to respond. So exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, you're a great example of, for someone who does want that, um, you know, how it can work. And I think your advice is absolutely correct. Um, and, and when should be the first choice for anybody, you know, please, if you want to birth at home on your own terms and still want a wise woman who is, um, educated in all things perineum and birth and postpartum, um, you know, of course that would be ideal to have a trusted woman that you can pay, um, to have come assess you if, if that is what you want, obviously tons of free birthers specifically don't want to be assessed, but if you do want to be assessed, that's fine. Um, but be, be Try to try to prenatally really be uh, conscious of who that assessment, you know, is who's going to do that assessment. Are they really available? Are they going to be on your terms? Um, you know, and, and what that would look like. Cause you're right. If a midwife could come over and assess you in bed. Um, yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, there's no, yeah. Cause that's what I that. thought of. I'm like, that would have been so nice to not actually have to leave the house. Oh, like, of course. <laughs> just stay, home. stay in your own environment <laughs> with your kids and, um, and absolutely. I mean, and even that would be a, a huge privilege because you're going to have to pay them. And there's tons, unfortunately, you know, there's so many women that yeah. don't have access to, there aren't even midwives in their town. Um, but if you are in a town that has it and you do have access to it, of course, that is such a good, good piece of advice. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. That was a great story. And that is so crazy that your husband woke up and saw a baby be born. Well, I love that. I think it will always be his favorite birth story. Oh, and yeah. like, I really think, especially since we've had this experience now, like, like he trusts me, like we're trusting of each other. And, but I think now he is so much more open to me saying next time, let's not go to the hospital or next time let's do it differently in this other way or I'm gonna plan on a free uh, Mm -hmm. free birth the whole time you know cool just because he knows that I've done so much research and it went so well exactly yeah your baby's stepping into it but sounds like you're kicking ass (laughs) so thank you that was such a cool story and yeah if anyone hasn't seen that um GIF or GIF, sorry, I don't know how to say it, uh, on my Free Birth Society Instagram. I have it posted up from a couple weeks ago, um, and it's super cool. So thank you so much for sharing your story today. Thank you. That's it for today, everyone. Join us next week for another episode of the Free Birth Podcast. Thanks for joining us, and remember, your body, your choice. Lots of love.